Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. Today I'm joined by Sarah Wilson, Digital Content Strategist and Founder of Brand Consultancy SW Projects. And we're going to be talking about social media, specifically about whether we're entering a new era of anti-social social media and what impact the current situation will have on brand engagement uh, on social platforms now and into the future. So thanks for joining me, Sarah. First of all, it would be great to hear a bit about your work because um, I particularly love, there's a quote on your on your website, digital content isn't a mystery, it's a language, which I think is great. I, I, could you explain a bit more about what you mean by that and why you feel it might be a challenge for brands? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have on my site, you know, digital content is a mystery, um, isn't a mystery, it's a language, make yours the only one that matters, partly because I do see a lot of brands struggling to make sense um, of digital content. And I, I really, I really believe that it is like a language that, you know, as long as you wrap your head around it, understand it, who's speaking it, and understand really who you're speaking to as a brand, um, it is possible to really decode it and connect with the people you want to connect with. Um, so that's why I sort of think of it like, look, it's, it is a language, you know, figure out how to master that language is what's going to um, put you in a really good place as a brand. It's interesting because, I mean, we, uh, on Stylus, I talk about um, engaging on social media in similar ways that you have to talk the, the language. But uh, obviously, the language changes all the time. You know, uh, at the moment, at the moment, we're talking about TikTok challenges. A yep. year ago, it was, uh, you know, something completely different. Um, how do how do you advise your clients about how they can keep up with this stuff? Well, it is really, really hard to keep up. Um, I do think that understanding who you're talking to is key. I work with a lot of different brands and oftentimes it always surprises me to see, you know, they don't always know exactly who they want to speak to. Um, and I think figuring that out first and foremost, and obviously that goes right up into sort of your core brand identity. Who are you? What are you trying to say? And who are you trying to say it to? And really getting clear about, okay, you know what? This is our core audience. This is who we're doubling down on and then figuring out the platforms that those folks live on. You know, is it TikTok? Maybe it's not. You know, maybe you're not actually interested in that platform because you're not really speaking to Gen Z, for example. Um, you know, you're really more interested in, let's say, uh, hitting millennial moms who are mostly on Facebook groups and that's okay. So really getting clear about your audience is going to kind of light the way to find out, you know, how do you, how do you really define those platforms? So, we want to talk a bit about these audiences because you wrote a piece recently for uh, Harvard Business Review about, as I said in the intro, anti-social social media. So there's a shift away from the big giants like Facebook towards smaller, more private networks. Um, and you coined this phrase digital campfires to describe them. So uh, I'd be interested to hear uh, what you think, well, just tell me what digital campfires means and what's driving this shift. Absolutely. So I wrote this piece in early February of this year, which now seems like approximately 150 years ago, right? Like, so much has changed. Um, I really explored in that piece this growing body of evidence that really backs the notion that younger audiences are retreating from social platforms. That's the public-facing social platforms. And by that, I mean things like Facebook, you know, Twitter, we've seen it. Um, the numbers showed this in, in various ways. That said, all of this has been changing rapidly since, you know, the onset of this crisis. And 
I will go into digital campfires in, in a moment, but I do think it's important to say that all of the trends that were happening before in terms of young folks, you know, moving away from those platforms is really is really changing. We're seeing huge, you know, increases in Gen Z, even on Facebook, which is bananas. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a Facebook group that's sprung up in the past month, um, uh, Zoom memes for quarantines, and that's teens spelled T-E-N-S. It has almost half a million people in it, and that's a lot of teens. That Teens on Facebook is sort of unheard of. And so, a lot of the sort of uh, the, the, the thesis of this piece was really about younger people moving away from social platforms and moving into smaller digital communities I call campfires. Now, that's absolutely still happening, but we're also seeing this rise in social. So I'd love to talk about digital campfires specifically because we've also seen an explosion of those. By digital campfires, it's really about small, more intimate, often private, often interactive type of online destination. So I identified three different types of campfires uh, that I really see, you know, all of these campfires breaking out into. The first is private messaging campfires, and that's really small uh, private group messaging, usually but not always with one's real-life friends. That's the primary purpose of gathering. So for that, that would be things like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, um, or if you're familiar with the text platform community, which is enabling a lot of celebrity fan uh, interaction via text. Um, The next one is micro-community campfires, which is really mostly interactive private or semi-private forums where like people are gathering around interests and beliefs or passions. Those often live on traditional social platforms. So that would be things like Facebook groups, which I mentioned earlier, the close friends feature within Instagram stories, if you've seen that, um, Discord, brands are doing it with things like Slack groups. Um, And then the third is shared experience campfires. We're seeing this a lot in gaming. So examples might be Fortnite or Twitch. That's when you go into, um, into a forum to participate in a shared experience. Now, all of those types of campfires are very much on fire right now um, in the wake of this crisis. And we can talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, I mean, we've been seeing the same sort of thing happening um, in my work at Stylus. I mean, I talk a lot about Discord, for example. Uh, uh, Discord, if if listeners aren't familiar with it, started out as a a gaming platform, a gaming messaging platform, really. But now it's become a place where anybody with a a passion and and an interest can sort of create their own mini communities uh, that, that, that they have quite a lot of control over. And I think this idea of control... Um, uh, around, you know, uh, what who, who who is part of the groups, who can see your 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 content, and that sort of thing seems to be quite a big driver. Do you do you what what else do you think is driving this shift away from from the less transparent um, uh, larger networks? Yeah, I think you you hit on a really good point. I mean, I think after years of you know, constructing carefully curated online identities and uh, accumulating a lot of quote unquote friends, younger audiences really want to be themselves and make real friends based on their shared interests. It's a, it's a level of privacy and safety um, that is really not common on the big social platforms. Now, I do want to say that TikTok is the exception, but I, I don't even think of that as a social platform because it's not connected to the social graph, meaning, you know, I don't know any of the people that I see on TikTok. They're not coming up as my actual friends. So it's much more of an entertainment platform. I almost think of it like a Netflix for Gen Z in some ways. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, TikTok is really exploding right now, but I, I, but I, I, I've been writing about it again, like you say, in terms of it's it's almost a talent platform in a way. It's where I read a great quote from from someone at TikTok saying it's where where kids can go and and become their own Spielberg, which I think is brilliant. Um, what's in, what's interesting about TikTok, and I think this is true also of the digital campfires, is that it's really um, enabling people, especially very quite young, you know, Gen Z types to to become their own personal brand. And actually, we're seeing a bit of a shift now away from just, I'm going to become an influencer and have lots of followers to I'm going to become, you know, somebody who can monetize this work that I do. Um, uh, Andreessen Horowitz um, talk about it as the passion economy revolution. Um, so this idea of monetizing interests and becoming bedroom entrepreneurs, I think this is something that's going to sort of really spark um, around these digital campfires that you talk about. Do, do you think that's true? Absolutely, I do. It's It's been something that's been happening for a long time now. It's definitely not new to this moment, but I actually think that this moment is going to accelerate that. Um, and, and I really think TikTok is probably the kind of most shining example of this right now. I don't know if you saw a piece in the New York Times a couple of days ago about TikTok influencers being signed um, for, you know, just being on TikTok. And the goal is not Whereas in the past, the goal was to really kind of uh, move them into a different industry, maybe get them on traditional, um, you know, in film and television. Now it's about, okay, well, how can you actually have a career on TikTok? It's about, you know, having a career on the platform and really monetizing that. So I think that's what's changing. Um, and I do think that's only going to uh, increase. So the success of these of these digital campfires is really sort of... Um based on the idea that you know you are uh, you are much more you have a much more intimate connection with the people that you're you're in part of the community with so the obvious question for brands then is how do you engage in these in these much smaller more tight-knit communities should you be engaging i mean obviously i think the answer to that is obviously yes otherwise we'd both be out of a job but i mean i think I, I'd be interested to hear about how you advise brands to sort of start thinking about, um, you know, engaging on these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So I take it back to two things. The first is knowing your audience. So really understanding where they're living. Um, and if you look at the three different types of digital campfires that I talked about, even if you, you go through them and go, okay, well, private messaging campfires, that's really, really hard for marketers to penetrate, right? How are you going to get into somebody's private text chain? But if you think about, well, okay, maybe it's more about the habits, like they're already texting, they're already consuming content um, in this way. So how can you use that to inform what you do? And I've seen some really interesting work being done um, with, you know, a company called The Infatuation, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but they launched a, a product called TextRex, which is really a, a text recommendation engine for subscribers, um, where they're actually recommending um, restaurants in local cities. So that's like a, by humans, it's humans doing the recommendations. Um, and so that's not about penetrating somebody's uh, personal text thread with their friend, but it's about mimicking the behavior that they're already doing. And I've seen, I mentioned the platform Community, which is a texting platform that rolled out to enable celebrities to connect with their fans. And that's another one where it's actually creating the platform to help them connect. So it's, it's really about mimicking the behavior in that way. Um, for micro community campfires, that's really 
you know, Facebook groups or the close friend feature in Instagram stories, I've seen really cool stuff being done um, with with brands like Glossier. You know, they they sort of notoriously created this this Slack group for their top customers to share feedback and you know help the brand understand what their customers wanted. And I think that's a really great example of a micro community campfire where the brand is starting this. They're kind of blessing their top customers, giving them an opportunity to come together, um, but also saying, okay, you know what, we're really going to use this as a place for customer feedback. Um, so I'm seeing it in customer feedback. I'm also seeing it um, in uh, examples in gaming. You know, brands like NFL or Marvel, Nike have done really cool things with Fortnite where they're you know, reaching their audiences by selling skins, which if you play the game are like stylized weapons and outfits for like the avatars. Um, they're creating branded mashup game modes and doing limited edition product drops. So they're really figuring out ways to get creative within the context of these digital campfires. It feels like a really exciting time, actually, for, for marketers to, to, to experiment on these platforms. And I wonder, as you mentioned at the start, obviously, the, the, these trends are becoming accelerated as with everyone in lockdown and spending more time online. So how do you think that this period, for however long it lasts, will, will change consumer and brand behavior? Do you th- and do you think it's going to be a long lasting change or do you think we'll go back to some sense of normality afterwards? Oh my gosh. I don't think anybody has a real clear sense of whether it's going to go back to normal. My prediction is no. I don't think that we'll ever be the same. Um, And I think we're going to see lasting changes, but I don't exactly know what those changes are. What I do see is, and, and this came up a couple of days ago, it was a really interesting. Um, I think for a long time, we have been looking at brands um, as sort of what is the top of that Maslow's hierarchy uh, that you're going to hit? You know, what's this sort of self-actualization um, that the brand is going to help bring you? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with kind of this model, but when I work with brands kind of in you know, pre-crisis, it was really about like, what's the bigger story? What do you stand for? How are you going to help your consumer connect to a kind of a bigger idea of his or herself? Now we're going to kind of the lower rungs on Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like safety, psychological needs, love and belonging, friendship, family. How, as a brand, are you going to speak to those things and help your consumer, um, you know, connect to those things in their own life. What do people really need at this moment? And I do think it's the the brands who are seeing that and answering that call, those sort of basic human needs, whether it's um, the need to connect with each other, the need to make sure that their safety and security is taken care of. Those brands who are getting that and really helping people in this time and understanding their basic needs are really going to win. And I do think that is going to have a carryover effect um, after the crisis because it's sort of like well wait what brands showed up and how did they show up for me yeah i think you're right and i think i I also think and i don't think that this is a kind of contradictory idea i think these two things are are in parallel but i also think that there's a huge opportunity for brands to start talking um, about much more niche nuanced uh things as well because these digital campfires are obviously they're about serving consumer needs where they where they can't find uh, it anywhere else, and I think we we see a lot of 
very niche passions that are that are that people congregate around and the audiences might not be very large but they are hugely engaged and hugely loyal and i love the idea now of like yes brands will have to speak to sort of the bigger emotions but also they can talk very directly to very specific um ideas and passions and interests at the same time do you, do you think that's true yeah Absolutely. I think we've seen that. I mean, I've seen really cool examples um, from brands like Headspace that, you know, made almost a huge amount of its library free during this time. Um, Audible did the same thing. You know, YouTube has rolled out different learning platforms. Um, you know, think about all the homeschooling that's happening right now. Um, I've seen Spotify do something similar. So there's just, there are brands that are understanding this and heeding this call and, and kind of that are getting it right now. And I think those are the brands that are really going to win. When you talk about um, tiny niche and, and really catering to that the sort of smaller percentage of people, I think that's completely bang on. I mean, you know, this is the time for experimentation as well, you know, finding those tiny groups of people and finding the people who are really going to become advocates for your brand, but not thinking about it that way, not thinking about it like, oh gosh, these are potential people I'm going to ultimately market to. What what need are you serving? And then how can they ultimately become advocates for you down the line? But right now is just the place where you're helping them. So as well as um, working with you at SW Projects, anybody interested in this um, idea and the things that we've been talking about can now have a look at uh, a new project you've launched, the Digital Campfire Download. Could you tell us what that's all about? Yes, absolutely. So I wrote this piece about, like I said, a couple of months ago, then the world changed and suddenly digital campfires just exploded into our everyday life. I mean, think about it, everything from, you know, a Zoom happy hour to our local yoga studio um, creating their own digital campfires. And people have had to learn how to either participate in digital campfires if they didn't before very quickly or, you know, launch them. And that that's a really, really hard thing to do if you've never done it before, um, whether it's a brand or a person or whatever. And so I'm launching this series called the Digital Campfire Download to really dive into meeting some of the different creators, product brains, marketers behind some of the world's hottest digital campfires. And and um, I'll be interviewing them live and uh, I'll be recording episodes and uploading them to digitalcampfires.co. Well, I think that's fantastic. Um, the digital campfires concept is really one that I think is is going to be massively impactful. I talk about it on Stylus. Obviously, we've talked to you before for reports that are up on Stylus about this this very subject, and um, I, I think it's a it's a it's a hugely interesting place for brands to be and experiment with. So I'd like to thank my guest Sarah Wilson, and thank you for listening. I hope you're safe and well, and I hope you'll tune in next time for more future thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.